Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now, take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. Today is a real special day. We have episode 400. Happy 400 episodes. 400 episodes. And we have a very special guest. We go to Jennifer. Jennifer and I, we met and we said in 2018, you have a bachelor's in early childhood education, a master's in educational leadership. You have been kindergarten teacher, mother of three. And we talked about mindfulness. Give us a little glimpse into your life and how everybody can help you. We're very honored to have a special guest for the 400th episode. I'm excited and I'm so proud of you. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. You said introduce myself. My name is Jennifer Ashford. I've been working in education. I don't even know, probably as long as it looks like my age for 20 something years. I am currently working at Chicago Public Schools as a kindergarten teacher, which that wasn't where I started out. I started in pre-K. I thought that was my love. I wanted to be responsible for being an agent of change. And I thought, what greater purpose than to start with the little ones where you can kind of mold and be responsible for instilling those foundational skills in them. When I got into the world of Chicago Public Schools, they moved me. And when they moved me, it took my spirit. Oh, wait, no, I want to stay. Um, and they introduced me to the kindergarten world, which is kind of similar because they're still little. Um, but you're now responsible for helping them learn to read. I was challenged with that. And um, they moved me to first grade. I thought that was wonderful because I got to really see how difficult it is to read. We take those things for granted because we just know. We don't remember how, but to just understand how the learning process was, it wasn't that I was just teaching them. I was teaching myself. I'm an educator because I love to learn too. I'm interested in and the things that I'm teaching my students. I've been kind of flip-flopping. I'm back in kindergarten world. I'm just trying to figure out where do I belong because I still miss my pre-Ks. But now I, w- I want that thirst of, of knowledge that first grade gave me. I am uh, just figuring out what I want to do. I was asked about myself. I said, I'm an advocate first because I've been in this field for so long that I kind of understand the needs of children. And I especially work in uh, urban communities. It's a different relationship when you're teaching children of color and their needs are totally different um, when in comparison to other schools that are thriving. It's not just about being able to change minds by, by educating them, but also being able to take care of the whole body. We are talking about children impacted by trauma, and sometimes they don't get a meal before they go to bed, or sometimes they are dealing with violence in their communities, or sometimes they're dealing with things happening in the home. I heard before 
a hungry mind can't learn. A mind impacted by trauma certainly won't. I b believe that I got into this field because I wanted to nurture that and just have people know that there's somebody out here. What I love about Jennifer, you always talk about others, but tell us what happened this year for you and your family, because we are here to help you. And especially when we have a special episode 400, it should be something special. We want to uplift the people who need us. Okay. Like Suzanne mentioned, I'm a helper. I'm known in the family as the person who takes everybody in. <laughs> And and we do what we do out of our experiences. I've all been challenged with what it feels like to not have a permanent place to stay. One of my things is I'm not just an advocate for myself, but for others. And my family, if somebody need help, that's me. I give the last. I guess the story started with me starting with helping family members when they need to live. My grandmother passed a couple of years ago and my uncle moved in with me then a couple months ago um, the person that I'm dating we merged households and in that merging uh, we had an electrical fire in July in the little one's room he's nine years old I'm not sure how it started but it woke us up at 6 a.m the only reason I know in the aftermath I checked the time but when we woke up I don't even know what woke us up it probably was a combination of my dog is barking I hear fire somebody's saying fire I smell smoke and I hear an alarm I've never, ever experienced what fire does to anybody, but when it happened to me, I know what people feel now. When we woke up, I wasn't even able to enter the back room of the house because it looked like a forest fire, and I know enough about forest fires to know when you see that much dark smoke, that thick, you don't try to enter because I know that most people don't die from the fire. They die from the inhalation of it all. I immediately just started yelling, calling my children, like, I have a 16-year-old, come here. They came. My uncle was in the back part of the house. He was in an enclosed back porch. I'm yelling, everybody get out. And I'm looking at my uncle, and I didn't understand what my uncle was saying because he seemed disoriented because he was in the room trying to get in to get the nine-year-old, AJ. He's trying to go in because he's thinking he's still in the bed. He's willing to risk his life in a room consumed with flames. And I'm like, I got him, I got him. I hear all this noise in the background. My uncle falls. I don't know if it's because he was inhaling that much smoke, but he's crawling to me and I'm, hurry. And we ran to the porch. When that happened, we didn't think about anything, shoes, clothes. We just standing on the porch, not really knowing what to do. I'm looking around outside. It's dark. I don't see a neighbor. I need a key to get my car, a phone. So I run back in because the fire hadn't reached the front part of the house. And I go get my phone and I call 911. I, my neighbor comes out. My, my daughter's coming over and we're just standing there and we can hear the glass breaking because the fire is now so big that it's starting to break through the windows. We know that a conductor of fire is water and air. I know at this point we're in trouble. We're still standing on the porch and my neighbor's yelling, oh my God, get off the porch. But it's raining. We're now standing in the dirt and you keep in mind at 6 a.m. We're asleep. We don't have shoes on. We don't have a jacket on. We're in our bed clothes. Some of us are shirtless. And I just remember just sitting there saying, I hope it didn't spread that bad. I hope it didn't spread that bad. We have a dog. And I'm like, where's the dog? Because I hear him barking, but he never came out. We're trying to think about this dog. It just seemed like 15 minutes of my life like seem like an eternity because we're waiting on the firefighters to show. And what I learned is they don't just go into a building to rescue. They get their gear out. They get prepared. They have water attaching hoses. 
So in that time, time is precious. I'm ticking these minutes that I know my home is in flames. Uh, when they finally do get in, I don't remember those moments, but I remember what the gift I give to others. People started putting coats on us and holding an umbrella over our head. People are putting shoes on us. We're just like stuck in this moment. But I know people were just coming out, helping us in different ways. People are like, hey, if you want to come stay at my house and get warm, come on over here. But we're just watching. And so they finally started to come out and ask us what happened. I said, I have a dog. <laughs> it's my dog. OK, because this is 20 minutes. I realized I don't hear any more barking and they're looking for him. And they bring him out and they resuscitate him. That's when it just stopped for me. The first tear fell because I, I was just thinking about, one, I'm grateful we're out. And two, seeing my dog lifeless and being able to be resuscitated is like, this is a rebirth for us. I'm trying not to look into how bleak it's going to be, but what we going to learn from this or how is it going to help shape me better? We ended up staying with a relative for about two weeks and my sister started a GoFundMe page because the thing about helping people, you never know how to ask for help yourself. That's my pridefulness. My sister started a GoFundMe page and we received a few donations and people gave us resources. And the thing that I learned and the fire is you never know what resources are out there when you look. So calling people, going to Red Cross, like resources can be limited. Even though it was five of us when we go to the Red Cross, I'm like, they're going to give us somewhere to stay. No, they like, we can take you to a shelter. No, because the thing about that is people don't know if you have different ages in your home, they don't maintain everybody staying in one place. I have a 16 year old. They're saying he got to go to the men's shelter. He's still my baby. We can't be separated. One of the yeah, things that I sure. asked was that we stay together. We just had trauma happen. It's important for us to be able to stay together so we can figure out what we're going to do. Through those resources, a family friend called and uh, offered us a home to stay in that a relative passed. And we were able to stay in that house. It had been sitting empty. That's what I said. You try to look at the rainbow after the storm because we weren't displaced for but two weeks, but things started happening. That's where that rebirth came, like started because in a fire, it's not just the damage the fire does, but it's the aftermath of the personal items you can't get back. We were able to secure a place, but we had to buy beds. Then we, oh my God, we need sheets. Oh, we need pillows. Oh, we need pillowcases. And then even cookware. We cook and I, I don't have a pot to, to, to even make the beans in. So you don't realize those little things until you're starting to go through your everyday life. Even being able to sell hygienic things. Oh, I don't have face towels. Oh, we don't have dry towels. So just starting over in that and even... And the damage of those things, not realizing the things that were valuable to you that probably didn't have a monetary price, but pictures of people you care about, those things that money don't have no value of that you lose that you can't get back. The fortunate thing is we all came out mm -hmm. with no injuries. We're grateful, but just still living in that moment. And we're still living in that moment. And we are what? Three months later, still, sometimes I'm going to make something. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't open this. We don't have a can open. You just learn as you do. Uh, but I am grateful for people that donated and even resources that reached out. I'm still getting a few people that call like, did you get a winter coat? And I'm like, nope, we don't have one. 
What about school uniforms? Still, people are asking. Those are the things that, like I said, we're not thinking of. And two, being private is like those are things you, in my mind, I'm always saying, I, I get it. I get it. I don't want to be. But I somebody told me that one of the things about helping other people to, and it being grateful for the generosity you provide to others is being able to accept mm-hmm. when someone gives you something too. So sometimes when people do, you don't have to do that. They said that that's the act of gratefulness. It's okay to accept when someone helps you. What I learned from you through the mindfulness course that we did together, you're always helping others. You're always helping others. And now it's not easy to ask for help for one thing. The other thing is to accept the help. I'm working on it. How did you get through this? You're a mother of three. You have to take care of your grown children, the dog, the household. And then school start. How do you keep, how do you keep it up? I don't even know how to ask that question. Where do you find the strength? The strength comes from life. I share our experiences impact who we become. Having that fire was a trigger for me because I know what it feels like not to have a place to stay. So that triggered a new trauma. Like I can't do that. I know what it feels like, which is why I allow other people to come into my house because I don't want people to live without those basic necessities of a roof over their head. But I think as we age, we get wiser and we learn things. And that's how I met Suzanne through team up and mindfulness, because I felt like I needed something in my life because I felt like in 2008, I was a hurricane ready, just (laughs) storm away because there was so much things that I held in and you just keep pushing. But it's like when you have a wound that won't heal, you keep putting a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid, but it's not healing. It's like the wound is just waiting to be ripped off and just bleed out. One of the things that I did learn was, which I was sharing earlier, was just you have to accept things. It is what it is and not try to change what's happening. But I accepted that fire as something better is going to happen for me. That's what I did first. The second thing was I looked at the things that I could be grateful for. I am grateful that we came out (laughs) with life. Nobody got injured. Nobody got killed. My dog came back. And the second thing, the third thing was the opening of doors. We could have been out there by ourselves in that rain and not one person helped. We left that fire that day with shoes that weren't ours, with coats that weren't ours, even when we did get a permanent place. We were sitting up saying, whose shoes are these? Whose jacket is this? Oh man, that man put that jacket on us and the fire. So seeing that sense of community, which some things happen in the news, it don't look like we got that anymore. But that was a sense of community showing that these are my neighbors. And these are not neighbors that I have conversations with daily, but showing that they care through that time of hurt and pain for everybody else. But just trying to take in and 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 be appreciative of what I did have uh, was the first thing. And knowing that it was going to get better and that it couldn't get worse than what it was. And so one of the things that I learned in our mindfulness was you had to find the things that help you de-stress. Those breaths we learned about. I keep a, phone, a picture on my screensaver that reminds me of a place of peace. Sometimes I just meditate. I just sit. And I'm quiet and I listen to a song I like because I'm trying to keep myself not having these strong emotions of losing my mind, like screaming, yelling, 
or taking it out on somebody else because it's so easy when you're hurt to hurt somebody else. That's the major thing that I wanted to be mindful of during that time. Like, it's not anybody's fault. It was just something tragic that happened, but it wasn't the end because the end would have been not having a place to sleep that night. The end would have been not people sending things to me saying, did you get a sheet? Do you have a blanket? You People were bringing bags of clothes. So it still showed me that to be hopeful. And when you have hope, you got something else to look forward to. What is your wish for 2024? That's a good question because I'm going to ask for something for somebody else. No, for yourself and your family. <laughs> <laughs> It's always for somebody else. But I think the one thing that I want to have that would give me security. My goal coming to next year is to make sure that we have our own permanent place to stay. Seriously, we're staying in my cousin's house and it is a house, but it's not our home to make sure that we have that security. Because the thing people don't see and what I realize after a fire, when I smell smoke in the middle of the night, I jump up. If I hear a firefighter, it's those little things that You just plugging something up late at night. Like, no, nah, unplug that. We're just in the morning. I check it. You deal with those things. It's always a worry now because I'm in something that isn't mine. I'm living in someone else's house. So two, making sure the one thing that happened of that was having that piece of home. Your home is your sanctuary. It's your place of peace. That's one of the things I enjoy, being able to go home and the comfort of your home and being able to relax. And so that's what I feel is missing. I don't feel like this is my home. I don't want to be putting up pictures. I still have pictures downstairs that I haven't put up because I keep telling myself this is temporary and I need to work on my permanent. And even my son, he doesn't know what it feels like to be displaced. We were having a conversation a week ago and he said, I was going to stay there forever. And I said, why? Of course, he's thinking in a teenager world. He said, because we only got one outlet in my room and I don't like that. <laughs> I said, you talking about the outlets? He said, because I want to plug up multiple things at one time and it's an old space. I don't <laughs> like shifting stuff around, but being able to give him that. And that's something. He didn't ask for presents for Christmas. He didn't ask for me to buy him. He said, He wanted to be able to have a place where a he plug. can plug multiple things for his <laughs> recreational use, whether it's his TV and his computer. But And I want to be able to provide that for them. Okay. That gives me peace to be able to provide them a safe space to be in. We're with you and we're also only a phone call away. Thank you. I know. Happy 400 episode! What a celebration, 400 episodes, a special person, and we can also help her. We've been in her life since 2018. We got all the updates and we just all bonded. Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes and now we have 400 plus episodes. Don't miss out. Every Monday we have a new episode and download Take It From The Iron Woman global business coaching with sports parallels or get it in your local bookstore. Thank you so much for your support. 400 episodes. This is something very special to me as well. Bye-bye.